Welcome to the Sea Press Podcast, a podcast from the Presbytery of Seattle that invites you into conversations about issues and topics that are meaningful to the church and its people. Hi, I'm Scott Lumsden, co-EP of Seattle Presbytery, and we're here talking with uh, Becky Barrett, uh, pastor of Overlake Park Presbyterian Church, and we're kind of going around and checking in with some of our pastors and trying to get an idea of uh, what are the big questions, uh, how are churches uh, doing at this time? So Becky, you want to say hello and introduce yourself and say anything interesting that we don't know about you already? Yes, uh, I am a senior pastor over Lake Park Presbyterian Church, and I, I don't know that there's anything super interesting about me. I got married a little over a year ago and have two teenagers 15 and 17 which i call my bonus children instead of stepchildren because they are a huge bonus in my life that's probably awesome. the most interesting thing about me right now oh that's awesome well i know you're doing amazing things at overlake park and uh we're also in amazing times and so i just want to open up a conversation about what are we doing right now as a church i mean i know we've all kind of made the pivot around worship you know, there's a lot of deeper questions going on right now. And so I'm hoping we can get into some of that. Um, I also know that you've, you're asking your church and your session is asking some deep questions about property and how they, how you use your building. And, Absolutely. Uh, as a long established church, that's a big question. So why don't you just kind of give us an update on how the church is doing, how the transition has gone from, you know, kind of the traditional, you know, way we've always done it. And now we're we're making some pivots on uh, uh, through this COVID pandemic. Yeah, I feel like it's happened in stages. Like stage one for me was, okay, let's, we're going to move into this space. Everything's going to be different for a while. And I was trying to keep track of where I left off so that I would make sure to return back to all those things that mm. were on my to-do list that I couldn't do. And then stage yeah. two, I think was a little bit of grief around, oh, I don't know that we're going to get back to those things. And I feel like I'm, I don't know, around stage three or 33 or something. And we've, we've settled into a routine and a pattern, I think, and have now a little bit more I, distance maybe to ask some of the harder questions around what this mm. means. And right. for us, property is really huge. We were in the midst of a vision process and our, it's partly property, it's partly location. Our church yeah. is in such a great location and how to responsibly use that for the community has been a question on our minds for a couple of years. So I think I'm, I'm impressed and grateful for our staff and our session because they pretty seamlessly entered those conversations. They were, they were up and people were non-anxious about asking those questions. I think because no one can avoid the reality of what's going on. So there's worship for the congregation and making that that pivot, but there's also the congregation's role in the community and some of these questions that you're asking about property and about the future of the church, I know are very informed by how you are interacting with uh, the community and some of the questions you're asking of your of the congregation itself, right? And the congregation's asking itself. So how has that continued or how, how has that changed now? Is that still front and center or is that still in the equation? I think that is probably the main thing that we are doing is we're doing worship, we're caring for one another, 
and yeah. making sure everyone's okay and connected. And we are, which, you know, for us is a, is a, a little bit, it's a lot of a difficult thing because we have special needs people in our church. We have people who don't have computers or internet at all. And right. we have tech savvy people. We have people who don't speak English as a right. first language. So that piece is live for us, but the community organizing, figuring out how we can partner, learn, be a part of the conversation, understand the issues has really moved to the, the forefront for us and, and pretty quickly became the main conversation. That and I think money, which is huge for mm -hmm. churches, I think in this time, I have been really grateful that our session has really prioritized a little bit of a, an attitude of, hey, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down feeding people and providing housing and doing whatever mm -hmm. we can to work with other organizations in Bellevue and not uh, no, no feelings of hoarding or, or, or really a lot of worry or anxiety about it. So I think that's been really informative. But the property and the how do we use our property and organize with our community to make sure that our, our location could be something for the community was a conversation. And now I feel like it is the conversation. It's a hard conversation to have in the midst of a crisis. And especially when the financial considerations kind of come to the fore as well. You do some translation in your service already. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, so we uh, work with an organization called Theotech, and they have a software called Spiffio. And that software allows worship to be translated into any language wow. and, or closed caption for people who have difficulty hearing. So we use that every week. We still use it in virtual worship. You can still worship virtually that way. Really? What I struggle with is, uh, is more the community part, right? Like, how do you have chat in different languages? Or how, mm. do, you, how do you make sure that people who speak a different language are, are at the table when you make decisions, when the whole conversation is in English? Mm. Or how do you make sure that the people who don't have internet are at the table when everything's virtual? And those are the same conversations I'm a part of and hearing about in the city of Bellevue all over. So it's been very empowering to realize we have some gaps in our systems that we have to address mm. and figure out now in this, mm. in this time when everything's virtual and everything's online. Right. And these, and these problems are only getting uh, kind of deeper and more acute, right? The, the relationship between our, our cities and our churches and nonprofits and our communities and the needs, this has got to be kind of a pretty challenging uh, conversation. Yeah, it is. It, and yet I'm also, so for us, we've been studying the book of Acts. I, I've been really thinking about, we've been thinking about how you know, there was this Pentecost moment where everything was amazing and glorious and everyone understood each other. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this moment in Acts 6 that, where I, as a pastor, always learned about that, that passage of the calling of Stephen and Philip as this beautiful thing where they right. divided labor and everyone was doing their job and it was all glorious. And mm -hmm. I was really reading Eric Barreto, his commentary and studying it and suddenly realized that's actually not true in that passage they are dealing with major miscommunication different languages and in the process those who didn't have a voice get missed mm. and so i have been really inspired to think about how to address these issues in the context of this isn't new Right. This isn't a new problem that God has with the community of faith. This isn't right. what's been going on forever. And 
And maybe pushing us out of our building is pushing it to the forefront so that we have to think differently and act differently and do things differently on purpose. Well, and we're certainly learning that we can. Yeah. The one thing I would say that's a struggle, I don't know if you've experienced this, Scott, for yourself or other churches, but I do find it hard. Motivation is difficult. It's hard to be motivated <laughs> in the day to day. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I want, there's all these people in the church I want to involve in the conversation. And yet you can only go at a certain pace. One can only right. do so many Zoom exactly. calls a day. And it's different. Everything's different in our energy and how we do this work. Totally different pace now. Yeah. And it has its upsides and its downsides. Oh, yeah. I I certainly have experienced that. Yeah. 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 It's just very real. So I'm trying to be kind uh, to myself mostly and in our pacing. And then one thing I've thought a lot about in the last, actually just week, I think since Inslee's announcement that we'll be in this for a while for some reason it's it's made me think of okay so when we come back together how do we want to strategically enter that moment because Mm. one of my concerns is that if we come back to church and we try to just recreate the old normal we're going to that's there's a psychological pull to want to just get back to normal that could actually kill the church Mm. not just our church Mm. but the whole church if we just try to go back to business as usual, we could lose all the learning. And there's just a real pull for me personally, too. Yeah. I just want my life back. And I think yeah. the church feels that way. But are we being faithful if we allow that to, to pull us back to something that maybe God is moving us away from in order to be transformed? That's a question I have. I, I have zero answers on what to do with that. No, I mean it's a it's a great question. I think uh, I think a lot of people are wrestling with it. I'm certainly hearing that question. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I think the struggle I have with the you know this is an opportunity to change is I totally agree with that. But in my experience, change happens because leaders in a church have decided that it's more important to experience something new and to head out in a new direction than it is to stay where they are or were. Mm. And if you didn't make that movement before, what makes you think that this kind of imposed break in the norm will really transform you? I, I, think, I think we have to have some buy-in together that there's something else we see that we want more than what we had. And I, you're right. The pull to get back to what we had is super strong right now. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, it makes me just really wonder, you know, people have not been flocking to the church for years. <laughs> <Right>. And so <laughs> as you ask that question, what comes to my mind is, there's just this really interesting polarization of people who are in the church doing what they've been doing for years and it's important and it's really hard to change or to be in a posture to want to move to something different. And then there's all these other people who are really, they're not coming. They're not interested in that. They're living their life. They want to live in community and faith in a different way. And so I don't know. I guess for me, I didn't grow up in the church. So I have a lot lighter hold on the church. 
And frankly, mm -hmm. I didn't build over Lake Park Presbyterian Church, so I probably have right. a lot lighter hold yeah, fair in point. it than somebody who put all the nails in. But I do wonder, the question that keeps coming into my mind for all of our churches is, is this building necessary? Mm. Is it even necessary? Like, Really, is it right. necessary? Especially as it is. But at all, is it, is it necessary? I don't, yeah. and I don't know. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are asking that question, like, what are buildings for now? Which is, I think, a great question. But it's not like we won't have any physical space. I mean, right. the idea that there would be some community that gathers around for, for worship and basically for some sense of fellowship and service, I think that's still there. But does it look like the churches that we have? I don't know. I, I wonder about that. Oh, that's so good too, because here's, it makes me realize we're not the only ones asking those questions. Businesses are asking those questions. Law right. firms that own three floors right. downtown are saying, wait a second, we might only need one floor. <laughs> we don't need all three floors. Right. And it, what makes the church property different is we have an emotional attachment to that. And that's my question. What do we do with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think in scripture, it, especially in the Old Testament, they dealt with that all the time. It's really hard not to attach yourself to space. Mm -hmm. And is that what God is calling us to do? Or are we off the mark with that? How do we honor that while also challenging that thought that maybe we don't need three floors of downtown space to run our law firm? Right. Maybe we don't need, you know, these particular spaces to be yeah. the body of Christ in the way God's calling us to be. Well, and I'm also reminded that, um, and I, I, don't, I don't know if this is true, but I, I certainly uh, believe the person who told me when they came for a pulpit supply, and they, I think they were from Scotland or Ireland, they said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand. There's an office here? And I'm like, well, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's an office here. He goes, oh, we don't have offices in our churches. It goes because the work isn't in the building. And I'm like, oh, well, that's an interesting thought. But yet, you know, but so much of our space, right, is yeah. kind of devoted to this idea of everybody comes to this location, including the staff, and all the ministry happens here. And, and we've been challenged as pastors to think about that, right? Like, how do I run a church from my house has been a live question. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, I Not want to go to productive. my office. But, oh no, I want to go to my office and be with my books and be in the space and have the luxury of sitting next to all the staff. It's not going to be that way for a long time. How yeah. do you be creative yeah, yeah. without being in that space? Yeah. It's possible though. And in some ways, probably really good for us. So if you were, um, we won't, we won't hold you to this, but if you were going to uh, redesign your campus, uh, what would what would you do? What I know this goes through many iterations of planning, but but today, what would what would it look like, or would you just sell the whole thing and move on? So I feel it's I think it's really tempting to not want to do that. Like let's just sell, yeah, and start over. Like that feels tempting. I think um, the conversations that we had started prior, it, you know, all of these dreams are relational dreams. So we have a partnership yeah. with Attain Housing. Mm. I would love to partner with them to not sell actually and, yeah. and organize ourselves as a community where we could have some transitional housing on our campus and a community center 
a place for the church community, but also, you know, youth in our community who don't, in the city of Bellevue, there's not much for youth actually. So mm -hmm. are there some ways that we could, I, and the, so much of this got for me is where we're located. We are in this amazing space. Right. And so if, if on this corner, we could provide a place for the community. When I talk to community partners, the Bellevue School District or housing organizations, when I tell them, like, what, what would you think of something like that? People, it, like, people get so, they're so amazed that a church would do that and that even think about that, mm. that um, it's very humbling to think we have this resource yeah. And so we have to dream about that, how we get there, how we pay for it, what that looks like. Yeah. I have no yeah. idea. But if we could do something like that for the city of Bellevue and its residents in that diverse population and be a cultural hub and a place for refuge for people, that feels to me like being the church. Mm. And what's... What's different, I think, or at least what I'm hearing a little bit differently in some of the conversations about change and about the future is that as you think about the future, you keep talking about the community and you keep talking about Bellevue. And it's not that you're not talking about the congregation, but that the congregation and your leadership is actually with you in that conversation. And they're not thinking necessarily about what they're losing but how they can better serve their community, which I think is a total flip on the dilemma of a lot of our mainline churches, which is how can we preserve ourselves? Yes, our church is in this conversation. They are having conversations with the school district and the deputy mayor and the, you know, attain housing and building those relationships. And the congregation, I think it's not only that they're in that conversation, Scott, but this is their legacy for 60 yeah. years. You know, churches turned 60 children, uh, the issue of sustainable housing in our area. These are things they've always done. So this isn't a divert. It's not, mm. we're not diverting mm. from, I think, who the church was. We're just trying to, to respond to the changing culture and needs of the community. And so I don't think it feels like a split for people from where we have been or how God's at work. I think it's just really hard to think about how to use that space when none of us can come together in that space. But that's what's forcing the questions for me. And we're not coming together in that space right now, which means that we can, we can make it without the space and, and what we're used to. But it's what the yeah. new thing is that I think is, is also important, right? Uh, what that looks like. and. That and holding space for that question. Like, right. Let's not pretend we know what this is going to look like for any of our churches. And let's just maybe hold space for what it could be and then see what that transformation looks like. But I think, <laughs> to bring us full circle, I think really being committed to allow God to speak into what we become and not just that, mm. giving into that psychological pull to go back is yeah. really key. Yeah. Well, um, I always enjoy uh, talking with you and, and learning from your insights about how to lead. Uh, wait, wait, I have some questions for you. Can I ask oh, you questions? Wait a second. That'll be fun. Let's do a couple more questions for Scott Lemson, executive <laughs> president. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, all right. 
as you think about, as you dream about our churches, because you know every church and you know <laughs> us, you know our struggles, you know our strengths. As you dream about our churches, where are you finding hope or excitement about our future? Uh, good question. I think that there are a lot of pastors and sessions who are open for a different question and who are starting to ask some deeper questions like, like uh, Overlake Park. That gives me a lot of hope. I think thinking through community in deeper ways gives me hope. I think those leaders and churches who are uh, recognizing that to live for ourselves or to think about how we can keep what we have, keep it going, keep it alive, and are instead asking what the future looks like and where is God leading us, give me a lot of hope. And I, I think that you know, being a part of a collection of churches, which is what a presbytery is, to know that we have, we have a presbytery that's open to the question as well, hmm. and that when we talk about this, people don't automatically get defensive or, or they panic, and that there's some appetite for a different conversation and for a deeper conversation, that, that all gives me a lot of hope. And so, I mean, yeah, I guess that's where I'm, uh, I'm it's at. It's amazing. Okay, here's because my next question. Oh, go ahead. Well, I will say it's actually on the other, on the flip side, it's actually hard to have the conversation. I think collectively as a church, because we're all in such different places, that it's, it's hard to sustain that conversation when there are just a lot of other maintenance issues and a lot of other crises that go on. Um, but yes. I think that's, that's the challenge of the times is to actually s stay on point. And to yeah, the tyranny of the immediate, right? It just right. forces you out. Yeah, and that, so here's that's my, true enough. Uh, that's true at a presbytery, and and as as it is at a church. Yeah, here's my other question. I feel like, uh, you know, you and EJ and Tally and Eliana have done. You're doing such a great job serving our churches right now. I think all of the support from the very beginning, actually, that you pushed out has just been really helpful for our sessions and our pastors. What is my question? I think I've been thinking about from you all is what is one thing you could ask of us? Is there anything mm -hmm. you would you need from our churches, our leadership, our pastors to make your jobs easier, sustainable, to you know help save us all in some ways? Mm -hmm. What, what, how we talk a lot about the Presbyterian serving our churches, and I guess I'm wondering how can our pastors and sessions, how can mm -hmm. they? What, what could you ask of us? What's something that you need wow. from us? Oh, that's a great question. And I don't know how to answer it, but I'll, I'll try. <clears throat> I, th I think that, well, I know, I know we can't lead this effort on our own. I, I just, I, I've been doing it long enough. And I've, you know, I've worked with our committees over the years and our council and executive board, and we just can't do this work alone. And I think I think it's 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 hard to do it outside of your session and your and and the congregation you know, and I think if there was there was a way in which uh, the presbytery and some leaders in our presbytery kind of decided that they'd dive in and kind of commit for for the long haul, which would be probably about six years, right? That's how we structure ourselves uh, from our polity. We work best when when people 
serve like that. And mm -hmm. because you can't do change and you can't do kind of growth toward a goal in a year. And, and I think, and I totally get the struggle because we have enough challenges in our own churches and we have enough challenges in our life. Life has gotten very complicated. But I think when people really do dive in and commit uh, and say, you know what, I'm going to do this for a while and this is going to be my thing, it makes all the difference. You know, there have been some really outstanding people in our presbytery that have done that, that I, uh, I remember Madeline Brenner and, and Shelly mm -hmm. DeAll and, and many others in our presbytery and, and people doing it now, right? But that, that's the thing. I mean, I, I appreciate when people give at whatever level they can on any of our committees, but to really kind of be a leader in that sphere and to say, no, I'm, this is my calling uh, in addition to my church, that's, that's the thing that pushes us over the edge. Yeah, for me, Scott, what I hear from that is a, a call to not respond to the anxiety or fear uh, because you have to do that right in order to lean in and be really committed to that process of change and growth and development. You kind of have to let go of the worry and fear. And that's inspiring. That's an inspiring call. Well, Becky, you've, you've been one who has done this. So you, you know this routine. And I thank you and we thank you for the ways you've done that. Tell but me yeah. more, Scott. Are there more compliments you have for me? That's uh, just more cookies. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cookies. Yes, cookies. All the Yeah, cookies. that's another podcast for another day. But, uh, <laughs> I'll look forward to that podcast. I'll sign up for that. All right. Scott, all right. I'm, all right. I'm in. Becky, this has been uh, great to talk with you, uh, as it always is. And uh, uh, really, thank you for the great leadership that uh, UNHT and your session are doing at Overlake Park. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much, Scott. Yeah, take care. You too.